0: Prayer is the same way. You cannot dissect, understand, or perfect it. You never will be able to. Prayer is the growing and expanding of a relationship with God. So, funny, I was doing some research about my family genealogy, and I found out that I have a a relative who was a dyslexic baker in the army, and it turns out that they went out buns glazing. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 171. I love that joke, I just heard it online, I had to share it with you. Well, if this is your first time listening, we start every episode with a joke, so I hope that brought you joy. And if you didn't get it, go back and listen to it until you do. But... For those of you who've been here before, thank you for coming back. Please rate and review this podcast, whether it's your first time or a number of times that you've listened, it helps other people find it. You can find all of our content at manafoodforthought.com, all spelled out, or manafft.com. You can click on the subscribe button when you get there, and you'll get our weekly newsletter uh, email sent to you with a reflection on the upcoming Sunday's responsorial psalm. And you also see all of our other content there on the website. You can click on the Give button to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month because it does cost money for this podcast to be hosted and continue to be on the air. So thank you for those of you who do that. And the highest compliment you can pay us is to share this uh, episode and this podcast with your friends and with others on social media. You can find us especially at, on Instagram at man of food for Thought. So thank you in advance for all of the ways that you listen and support. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. So my joy this past week... Uh, was we had a family barbecue for my wife's uh, father's side of the family, my father in law's side of the family. And they're very spread out, uh, not very spread out, but they're a little spread out. And pretty much everyone uh, was able to come together for a barbecue this past weekend. We got to just catch up, and the kids got to see people, and they, they got to see the kids. So it was just, it was a really, really wonderful um, experience. So, yeah, I got to see or meet, you know, some of Erica's cousins I haven't seen, you know, we grew up in the same town, so I knew some of them, but uh, people I haven't seen or met, you know in decades. So it was uh, wonderful. So that was my joy. My junk is that this past week, I've had to have some pretty hard conversations with some people in ministry, and I knew I was gonna have to have them at some point and I was dreading them and I was trying to find the opportunity for them to come up. and I was just like, you know, I just need to do this. And so, The Jesus moment is that there was grace and understanding and all of that, at least so far. You know, I don't know if people are plotting my demise behind my back. I know the enemy always is, but you know, who knows? But I tried to do my best to be gracious and I do, I don't know if this isn't really a charism of the Holy Spirit, but I feel like I've been really good at uh, dissolving or resolving conflict in the context of ministry and uh, channeling people sometimes angry or um worrisome, or temperamental energy to a fruitful outcome. Um, not in a manipulative way, but I just, I don't know, I feel like I have been given the gift of words and maybe wisdom in a sense in those situations to be able to uh, prevent things from escalating. So um, I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for the way that those things have turned out so far. And I'm sure there will be more of those conversations to come. The problem was with this is that now that I've started, And this kind of weight has been lifted off. I'm like, I'm just going to tell people what I think like from now on and not wait, you know? And I usually do, but there's some of those areas where, like, oh man, I don't know if this person is going to take this well, or I don't really know if this is the time to have that conversation. But I think if you really love other people and you're really trying to build something good and collaborate with them and help them to utilize their gifts, we need to be honest with each other about how things are being received, perceived, where people's strengths are, where their weaknesses are. We need to be honest with ourselves about that too and not, um, you know, be closed off to criticism or feedback if it's constructive. So yeah. So anyway, um, prayers for all of that. And I hope you all are doing well. Let's get into our episode for this week. Uh, we are looking at the second reading for this upcoming Sunday, which is the 16th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And our second reading We're still in Romans chapter 8, such a great chapter of the book of Romans, like so many verses you've probably heard and memorized or heard many times before are in this chapter right at the center of the book of Romans. Uh, So we're just reading verses 26 to 27, just two verses, but a a lot jam-packed in there. Remember, Romans is written to a multicultural community comprised of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians living in Rome, which is the epicenter of emperor worship, uh, secular society, Pagan idolatry and mythology, a huge trade center, a world power. And so all of these things are coming together in paganism, immorality, secularism, all of these different things, all kind of against or seeking to attack Christianity, which is trying to form there and creating problems for this church. And so Paul is writing to the church in Rome to address a lot of these issues that the church is facing and encouraging them and helping them have a basic understanding of Christian theology so that they can refute some of the heresies that are coming up. They can have a unified sense of what it means to be Christian going forward, and that this isn't about anything we carry with us, anything that we can do of our own volition. This is about uh, Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. So that is a little synopsis uh, of Romans. And so let's read from Romans 8, verses 26 to 27. Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says this, Brothers and sisters, the Spirit comes to the aid of our weaknesses, or of our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit, because He intercedes for the holy ones according to God's will. The Word of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, one instance here that I want to point out two places in this, just these two verses. The spirit here is addressed as he, himself or his, uh, or he intercedes, sorry. And I, I want to point that out. This wasn't what I was planning on talking about for this episode, but there is this kind of theological trend out there to address the spirit as she, because the spirit is kind of like without this form. And so it's this way of kind of inserting gender politics into the Trinity. But what people don't realize is that's not theologically or biblically accurate. And uh, God is without gender, so it's, in that sense, not appropriate to automatically assume he or she of any of the persons of the Trinity unless they've been revealed. So Jesus, we know, has been revealed as a human man, so we call him he, and he revealed God the Father as Father. But also, theologically, uh, the feminine side of of this whole relationship and religious identity is the church. The church is she, and she is in relationship with God, who is he, and they— create this marital type of intimate union in their relationship. And when we kind of dilute that by trying to be, you know, politically correct or include people where they're not meant to, you know, or were never revealed to be included, we're, um, what's that word? We're, I can't remember what that word is. When you're just kind of speaking in a way that you think is politically correct to appease people, but it's actually not, um, yeah, virtue signaling. We're just virtue signaling. Uh, It doesn't actually speak to the best interests and to the the unique and beautiful ways that masculine and feminine identity work its way through uh, and into theology. So um, anyway, I just want to point that out. Uh, Nothing against women or men or, you know, that because God is revealed as he by Jesus um, that men are somehow dominant in that sense. No, that there is a complementarity. Wisdom in the Old Testament is uh, revealed as she. The church is the bride. Mary, the most perfect disciple, is female. The saints throughout the ages, male and female, sisters and brothers who take religious orders, male and female. And so there is this kind of marital identity or marital relational identity when it comes to the way that's been revealed. And we don't have any reason to, or, you know, appropriate position to distort that. It just, it dilutes it from its true meaning. So anyway, that's not really what stood out to me when I was first preparing this, but in case someone needed to hear that or be reminded of that, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, the thing I really want to point out is this phrase, uh, we do not know how to pray as we ought. And I think this is really important because I think a lot of times, I think every Christian at some point in their life, multiple times in their life feels like, man, I don't even know if I know how to pray. Like, I don't know if I'm getting anything, anything out of prayer. Uh, am I even doing this right? Do I even hear God's voice? Is it my voice? Is it the devil's voice? How do I discern the difference between all of these? You know, like and it can just be this very intimidating thing. And I want to speak just I want to be able to say prayer is always going to be a learning experience. And because prayer is a relationship. Prayer is a relationship with God. And relationships and marriages, they grow in the same way. We learn better and more effective ways of communication over time. The way that two people communicate with each other, it changes over time as their relationship deepens. And that's okay. That's meant to be that way. And I want to point this out, how this dynamic is at play with our relationship with God in the way that the catechism talks about prayer. The very first sections on prayer in the catechism is the, the whole fourth section of the catechism. The final section is on prayer. But the first paragraphs about this, the way that prayer is defined are in three ways. Prayer is God's gift. Prayer is a covenant. And prayer is Communion. And what's interesting about all three of those things is that all three of these things are not things that you can create or control on your own. Okay, prayer is God's gift. You can't control the gift. You can't delineate like, I am getting a gift from this person. No, they have to choose to give you this gift. You can participate by receiving it, but you cannot create someone giving you a gift on your own. I mean, yeah, you know, there's the whole like sending yourself chocolate or flowers on Valentine's Day kind of thing, but that's not a real gift. Like a gift is something that someone else out of their own love and free will is offering to you, you know, freely with no expectation of reciprocation. Like that's a real gift. And so we cannot create that or control that on our own. Same thing is true of a covenant. A covenant is an exchange between two people. I cannot just will into existence. I am going to marry X person. You know, I'm going to marry this person because they need to participate in like they need to be willing to marry me. I, can, I couldn't force my wife to marry me. It wouldn't even be a legitimate marriage if that's the case, civilly or sacramentally. You need to be able to freely offer your vows. Um, otherwise, the marriage is invalid. And so to have a covenant is not something that I can create on my own either. And then communion, I can't create that on my own. I can't create real community and union with other people. They need to participate that in that as well. So I can receive, I can respond to the gift of, someone else's desire to be in covenant with me or communion with me. But I can't like dissect or understand or perfect all of that on my own because I don't have full control over that. Prayer is the same way. You cannot dissect, understand, or perfect it. You never will be able to. Prayer is the growing and expanding of a relationship with God. And that takes two. But the interesting thing about prayer is that God is always the initiator. It says this in in the catechism. In the very first chapter of the catechism, it says, it was, in all times and places, God reaches out to man, or something like that. I didn't, I didn't have the quotation here. So, But that's, that's what it says, that in all times and places, God reaches out to man. He is the one who is initiating. And so it says in the catechism as well that if anyone seeks to pray, if they have even the desire to pray, It is only because the Holy Spirit has first planted that desire to pray in them. And so God has already initiated. He's already been at work in us by virtue of the Holy Spirit inspiring us to pray when we even remotely have that desire. And so prayer is always initiated by God. So all we can do in prayer is receive and respond. We cannot dissect, understand, or perfect. We can't. We're never going to be able to because no relationship is like that. You know, if you go into a relationship or a marriage, like, okay, I'm going to d- dissect how we communicate. and I'm going to try to understand this person as best I can. I'm going to perfect the way that I communicate with them. You're going to end up coming off like a robot or a psychopath. Like, because people grow and they change and they need new things at different times. We have love languages. We desire affirmation in different ways. And even that can grow and evolve over time. The interesting thing is the only time anywhere in scripture, we're, we're to, what am I trying to say? Prayer in scripture is mentioned hundreds of times. But all all the times the prayer is mentioned, it's simply telling us to pray always or in all seasons, without ceasing, and that that is how we will stay faithful and connected to God. There is only one time I can think of anywhere in Scripture where we are told how to pray, and that is the Our Father. A simple rote prayer, meaning memorized prayer, And if you dissect the Our Father, it's recognizing Our Father, meaning communal, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are holy God. I'm giving you the praise that you deserve. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm recognizing you are initiating. You are the initiator, and I want your will to be done in my life. And then I ask for what I need, that you give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses for we forgive and let us forgive those who trespass against us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All of those things, God is initiating. And so the whole disposition of the, our father is a response to God's work already in heaven an offering of praise to him and a request that he continues to make his will known in our lives and give and provide for what we need in no way. Are we trying to dissect God or understand him or perfect our relationship with him so that we'll get exactly what we want? No, we're relying on the fact that he's the initiator, that we're in relationship with him, and that our relationship and awareness and understanding of him is going to grow over time. And so our conversation with him will grow. There is no science to prayer. There is no perfect way to pray. There is no ideal form of prayer as a Catholic. It is only that you are praying and you are praying every day and that you're doing it from the heart because it is stemming not out of habit, not because you think it'll get you to heaven, but because you desire deep relationship, friendship, intimacy with God. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. When I used to teach guitar, I would tell people, it doesn't matter to me how much you practice, but I want you to touch your guitar every day. Even if just in the morning you pick it up, you just practice strumming for two seconds, you put it down. Even one day, you just pick it up and put it down. I want you to get in the habit of having that guitar in your hands every day, and it will lead to you practicing more. And when people took my advice, they learned and grew so much faster. Their skill and their technique developed so much faster than all my other students. So, practice. This kind of reminds me of, you know, like, if you've ever seen in in a movie, like, when a guy finally goes up to a girl in, in a movie, and he just... He can't like even like put words together. I feel like sometimes that's how we are in prayer. Like, we're like oh, I don't even want to approach God because I don't even know how to do it. And then we see in the movie that the guy finally goes up to the girl. Maybe the nerdy shy guy he thinks this girl's way out of his league. He goes up and he, he starts stuttering, stuttering and mumbling over his words. We, we can take that advice. We can do it. Simply by doing it, we will learn. We'll do it and we will see what happens. And no matter how it happens in the movie, when it comes to God, rejection is never coming around the corner. If you are directing your prayers to God, you cannot pray a wrong way. If you're directing your prayers to God, you cannot pray a wrong way. You can pray in ways that are not as successful or as helpful or as fruitful as other ways. But there is no wrong way to pray because even if you're making crazy demands of God or yelling at Him, you are still coming to Him as your authentic self. And that's a great starting place. That's a great starting place for any relationship, coming as your authentic self. And in any relationship, if that person sticks around, that will learn more about the other and learn a more fruitful and effective way of being together in relationship, of being in communication with each other. And the great guarantee is that God is never going to abandon you. He's never going to reject you. He's never going to leave. And so if you just continue coming to him as you are, talking to him as you are, whatever that looks like for you, wherever you feel fruit, peace, enjoyment in your prayer life, it's going to be different for everybody. But if you do that every day, You cannot possibly do it wrong because prayer is always something that has been initiated by God. It's something that we receive and respond to. It is a gift. It is covenant. It is communion. It is a relationship. So think of your prayer like your communication in any relationship. Do it every day. Don't ghost your best friend. Tell them about the things that are going on in your life. Tell God about the things that are going on in your life. Listen for his advice or just enjoy his company. Take Him with you when you do things. I mean, He's with you already, but acknowledge the fact that He's with you and recognize it. Spend that time with Him in quiet. Spend that time being intentional about connecting. And I guarantee you, your entire prayer life, your relationship with God, your life in general will change for the better. That is all I have for you this week. Until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.